And I am Aware Now. Aware Now, the official platform for causes. Tune in and turn it up as we raise awareness one story at a time for the causes that tie us all together. A mother, a wife, a cancer survivor, an inventor, and an entrepreneur, Adele Caymans has led a life of service, taking on what comes and giving back as she goes. Grounded in grace, she's found strength and success in so many ways. Mother of three, your profession of choice was stay-at-home mom. Raising children and managing your household is a full-time job that you held until your youngest went to college. Love for you to share. This is something a lot of women wrestle with, to stay at home, to not stay home. Love for you to share, Adele, your pros and cons as a stay-at-home mom. Okay, well, I absolutely loved being a stay-at-home mom. Felt very fortunate that I was able to do it. I was a high school English teacher, but this was the early 60s, and the school system in which I was teaching you could not be visibly pregnant and teach in high school because it would give the children ideas. My kids laugh when I tell them that. I said, this was the early 60s, it was not now. So we decided, you know, I taught a few years, then got pregnant. We decided I would be a stay-at-home mom, which I really love because my husband manufactured women's sportswear. So I would go to apparel shows with him and I would help him with samples and that. And I always volunteered at school as um, room mother, um, worked in, well, now it's the media center, then it was called the library. Um, yeah. Would help when they were in high school. I used to wanna to go help in the cafeteria because you know, if you're in school, you see, you know, you know the teachers, you see who your kids are with. So I always liked that. When they were real young, I had a good friend who lived a few blocks away. So we tried like at least once a week to get together. She had three kids similar in ages, mm -hmm. get together with the kids, watch them play. And we would say, okay, 30 minutes we're discussing. We're having an adult conversation, politics, news, a book we had both read. You know, we had a mini two person book club um, just because you needed I guess the downside is sometimes you feel like there's no adult conversation. And then my husband did travel, you know, as a clothing salesman, et cetera. So we traveled during the week a lot. When he was home, I would always try once a week on Friday was our lunch date day. <laughs> so I try to get a sitter and we go out to lunch and have a real date. Like, you know, actually have, I know you have kids, so you understand this a meal with an adult conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I loved being a stay-at-home mom. It, you know, became impossible to get away with though when everybody was in college or beyond. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, but I really, um, I loved that job. At one point I would go in after school and um, teach non-Native Americans, you know, English and different things like that. And I also, I knew someone who had um, helped us with cleaning, who had been an accountant mm -hmm. in Brazil, but her English was not great. And um, one day she said to me, 
why do Americans only eat in their cars? I said, I don't know what you mean. She said, well, they go to McDonald's and they eat every, do they eat all meals in their cars? So I said, no. I said, you need to come over in the some afternoon, you know, like once a week or something. And she said, I really want to, you know, be an accountant again, but my English is not good. I said, oh, I can help you with that. So she would come over once a week and I'd go teach her English and mm -hmm. things like that. So I always found things to do um, as a volunteer. I had grown up in an environment where my parents, I have an older brother, my parents taught my brother and me that everyone has the responsibility to give back. And so my parents volunteered. So I just assumed, well, that's what everybody does. You just mm -hmm. volunteer. Right, right. So that was, you know, part of it. And I was very fortunate that we could afford for me to stay home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that was great. I love that job. Highly well, recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good one for sure. Um, you know, so, you know, as mothers, we will agree that it's really hard when your kid gets sick. And as mothers, we will also agree that it's hard to be sick. In your case, Adele, especially when that condition is cancer. So the survivor you are, you beat cancer not once, not twice, three times. Would love for you just to share what that journey was like for you and also the strength that you found along the way. Well, the first one was breast cancer discovered. I tell my um, gynecologist, he saved my life twice by catching breast and ovarian cancer early. Um, the first one was found on my first mammogram when I was 41. <clears throat> my husband was out of town. I did not tell him on the phone. My gynecologist called me and said, there's something I don't like on your mammogram. You need to come in. We need to talk about this. So he wanted me to go see some. I waited till my husband got home, but I did meet him as he pulled into the garage. And, you know. right. um, but I had superb medical care. My husband and my kids were great. I had not spread outside of the breast. It was called in situ. So I had what they called a modified radical mastectomy, which I think is a terrible term, and I'm sure they probably improved upon that now and reconstruction, which then you could not, now they do it at the same time they have for years. When I had it done, you had to be six months past, you know, your mastectomy surgery. Um, so I had reconstruction, but I needed blood during the reconstruction. And they gave me the gift of hepatitis C in the blood transfusion. Oh. So then I had to do a drug study to get rid of that, but that was fine. I mean, I was done. I said, I'm cured. We're done here. Except then about 15 years later, my same gynecologist didn't like something and we did some tests and it turned out that I had ovarian cancer. This one was a little more difficult because this one involved chemotherapy. Now, everybody talks about the horrible side effects of chemotherapy. And there are some that are rather unpleasant or there were then. And I know they've changed the drugs and you know everything keeps improving and changing. But I had done a lot of work with Reach to Recovery from the American Cancer Society. I had acted as a volunteer, visited patients. 
I taught you know, trained volunteers, and I'd started with someone else a breast reconstruction program. Mm. So then diagnosed with <clears throat> ovarian, but the best side effect of ovarian cancer is that I'm still here. I mean, that was a really positive side effect. So I said, okay, you need to think about this and you need to come up with some coping mechanisms. So the first thing I thought was, well, the only thing you can change about what's already happened is your attitude. So change your attitude and get over it. The next thing was I decided that I would only let myself cry in the shower when I was doing chemo because it was private. You could be as loud as you want, nobody knew. You could be as angry as you want, get it over with and be done. I will admit there were a few days I took more than one shower, <laughs> but you know, that worked for me. And I also liked to play mind games with myself. I would say, okay, I'm getting this chemo. There are channels in my body that is sending the chemo to any malignant cells and getting them. And once it gets them, there are steel walls in my body that are just killing them and taking them away, which on an intellectual level, I knew this was all my imagination, mm -hmm. but emotionally it was fine for me. So um, I was good. I used to get the chemo in the hospital. You had to go and get your blood check, make sure your white cells were high enough to get a miotic, and then check in. And then my oncologist would come and talk to me, which was nice. But um, I had a girlfriend who would come visit me with trash magazines, mm -hmm. um, funny hats, and make me laugh and sit there <laughs> for a couple of hours. And I wouldn't let them start the chemo at night. It went through you for 24 hours till my husband was there and he held my hand when they started the chemo. Um, my kids would come and visit. I mean, it was great. My sons both offered to shave their heads so they'd be bald like me. I said, you are not shaving your heads, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's fine. Um, so, and then later I had thyroid cancer, mm. but that um, I did radioactive iodine for that twice. Mm -hmm. and, and then, but that was cured fine. So I've given three times, I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> I've had a discussion with whoever is in charge, started by thanking him or her for helping me get through them, said I'm grateful, but <clears throat> don't send anything else because I'm sending it back, I'm done. Right, so, right. You know, I, I mean, obviously I was lucky that I survived, but I think you have to, Obviously, it was the medicine, the medical care that let me survive. But I think you have to have an attitude that you want to push also. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to let this ruin me. Because if it does, you can't change it anyhow. But maybe you can change your attitude while you're doing it. Right. So, exactly. Controlling what you can. And yeah. Right. And then, um, you know, wow. Wow. I mean, you know what they say, perspective is the only thing mm -hmm. that can change the results without altering the facts. So you just have to go with it. Yes. And that is so powerful. That will change results without altering the facts. And that is profound. And I mean, the power, especially when people feel like they're so powerless at times right. to realize you always have the power of your perspective. And that's something that no 
disease can hinder that no person can take away from you. It's that's yours to own. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, you can always have the power to smile. I mean, yeah. sometimes I used to kid my husband when I was going in for chemo, I'm left-handed. So I'd say, okay, honey, you can start lining up righties. And he would get very angry with me. And then I'd come home and I'd say, okay, cancel the righty. Um, he'd say, why do you think this is funny? I said, it's not funny, but you can either laugh or cry. So can't cry all the time. That's right. That's right. That's a very But I am point. a good crier. Well, that's, that's important. It's important. Tears are anti-freeze for the soul. So embrace right. them, I say. <laughs> um, you know, so after battling and beating cancer, you fought something else. Gerd, so let's talk about this. You fought it. You found a win. In finding a solution for yourself, you founded a company with the product that you invented and patented. I, I love this story because we, we've spoke before, we've, we've shared the story, but love for you to share with everyone the story of MedSlant and how that began. Okay, in 2000, I had, I was congested, I had a sore throat and I started losing my voice. So I bought an over-the-counter decongestant, drank hot tea, nothing changed so i got scared at this point i was a survivor of breast and ovarian cancer and i said i don't want to have you know right away the first thing that came into my head was throat cancer i said i'm not doing that so i said i think i have a strep throat went to see my internist the internist said no you don't have a strep throat you probably have some reflux but you need to go see an ear nose and throat doctor so I went to an ear, nose, and throat doctor who said, you have reflux. I said, no, I don't. I never have heartburn. He said, silent reflux. You don't have to have heartburn. You need to see a gastroenterologist. So I went to the gastroenterologist, same thing. You have reflux. I said, okay, that's a great diagnosis compared to, you know, my original bad thought. Mm -hmm. um, I said, what do I do? So he gave me a prescription, which he said, you know, you'll need to take this for, I don't know, it was two weeks or this was in... 2000, you know, 22 years ago. So, and then he said, you need to sleep on a wedge pillow that will elevate your head and your upper torso. It needs to be long enough to go below your waist because you can't put anything on your stomach, pressure on your stomach, it makes reflux worse. I said, great, where do I get the pillow? The answer was, I don't know. So I went home and I got on the internet, but there wasn't a lot in 2000. I felt like Goldilocks. This one was too high, this one was too low, this one was too short. So I looked around some more. At that point, our younger son, who is now a physician, was doing an internship. I said, okay, Mark, send me to some obscure medical sites. So he said, no, mom, it's gravity. You know acid goes up your esophagus, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, everybody had the same suggestion. You need, your head needs to be elevated six to eight inches on an even plane, long enough to support you through the torso. I said, okay, I can't find that. I guess I'll have to find somebody to make one for me. So my husband said, one of our neighbors manufactures head pill bed pillows, throw pillows. He said, call him. I'm sure he'll be able to find you, get you a piece of foam and cut it. So I called him. I said, I need a piece of foam, seven inches high at the top, 24 inches wide, 
between 30 and 32 inches long. Can you do that for me? He said, yeah, why do you need it? I told him, he said, well, lots of people ask me if I have an acid reflux wedge. I said, can you make one for me? He did. Within three days, I could feel the difference. Mm, wow. You know, that my throat felt better. It was great. So I was telling a friend who had reflux, her husband had sleep apnea. She said, can you get me a couple? I said, okay. So eventually, and I told my um, gastroenterologist, he asked me if I could get some samples for him. We had 80 samples out there and I, my husband was going to retire in a few years, ready to retire in a few years. I was 60. I said, what am I gonna do all day besides help my husband? But, and then if he retires, I said, what am, you know, no kids at home, no grandkids, you know, what am I gonna do all day? So I said to my husband, I think we have a business. He said, okay. So um, we came up with the name MedSlant, trademarked the name. I researched what you need to do to have an online business, you know, how to take credit cards, fulfillment, all of this. And <clears throat> I had a friend whose son was working in technology and he was very technically oriented, called him, asked him if he could write a website. And he said, sure, what for? We talked about it. Well. An hour after the MedSlant website went up, we got our first order. I was hooked. I said, oh my gosh, somebody really bought this. I was so excited. I said to my husband, we have a business. We sold one wedge. He said, great. Okay. Um, another, a good friend suggested, she said, well, how are these people contacting you if they don't, if they have a question or something? I said, well, we had, you know, an address and everything. She said, you need to get an 800 number. So I got an 800 number, put that phone on my desk, right next to my other phone, <laughs> would answer the phone. It, at that point, a lot of people wanted to order things on the phone because they didn't think it was safe to put their credit card in the computer, which of course was more safe. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this was at the beginning of all of that. Um, but so we already had it folding we had it in a travel bag so you could take it with us and then we got a patent on it because mm -hmm. there were no other folding wedges and i learned a lot of things but we decided that our mission statement and our goals were the same we wanted to make a quality product made in the united states mm -hmm. sell it at a fair price and provide excellent customer service and that was it. And when you're in charge, you get to make the rules. Right. So we made the rules. Domestic foam is what's called closed cell foam. Offshore foam is open cell. I mean, they're different things. Um, I decided certain things. People said to me, when you talk about it, you have to say what's wrong with imported foam. I said, that's not me. I will tell you anything you want to know about my product. But if you want to know something about someone else's product, you have to ask them. Mm -hmm. And today we have still, we still have the same three goals. We use the oldest and largest foam fabricator in North America who's been making foam products for 80 years. Mm -hmm. um, we sell it at a fair price. We do provide excellent customer service. We call people back. We talk to them. I've talked to people recently who say, 
are you Adele? I talked to you 15 years ago and bought a pillow. And I said, still, you're still doing this? I said, still doing it. I mean, I can do this as long as I'm mentally capable. There's no physical, I mean, right. you know, there's nothing else involved. And I love doing it and you're helping people. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. everybody wants to sleep better because when you don't feel sleep well, you don't feel well. So mm -hmm. if you can get a healthier, more comfortable night's sleep as a lifestyle change and use it in good health, it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. So Medsland is still here 22 years later. Wow. And that is, that is awesome. And I, but like you say, it comes right down to that. If you don't sleep well, you don't feel well. There's these basic things and addressing those right. basic things. Sometimes it's just um, getting right down to, to the core of things and, uh, yeah, that's one incredible, incredible story. Uh, you know, when we look at threes, they say things come in threes, good things, bad things, they come in threes. You know, for you, three successful children that you have, uh, three times you beat cancer. Uh, there's another three, though, for you, Adele, and it's letters. Q, V, C. <laughs> So I, I'm really excited for you to, to share with everyone, you know, first of all, how did you get in? Because I think this is a very interesting story. And then after that, how quick did you sell out? Okay. Um, in about the beginning of 2005, a friend said to me, you know, Kennesaw University, which we were living in Atlanta is just, you know, like 45 minutes north of where I was. Business school has a program where you can go and get help and information and suggestions on either a new business or starting a business. So I called them, made an appointment, went two or three times, spoke to someone. And one day he called me and he said, Adele, QVC is coming to town looking for new vendors. This is where you can find information about it. I think you ought to check it out. I said, okay. So I got the information. They were coming to a downtown hotel. They had some very strict rules. You had to sign up. I don't even remember if there was a charge to show or not, but each vendor or potential vendor with them got a small folding table. The rule was that you could have one sample and you could have one piece of paper on which you had the name and a description of your product and your contact information. So I signed up, registered. I took one sample. I had one piece of paper on the front. I had MedSlant with our logo and a description and contact information. But on the back of the paper, I had pictures and testimonials because they hadn't said you couldn't put anything on the back of the paper. All right. Um, and the thing was that a buyer or buyer representatives would walk around the room, look, if they saw something they thought would be of interest, they would stop, chat with you for two or three minutes, get your paper and move on. So they're walking by and, you know, everybody's standing there waiting. And someone stopped at my table, a woman, and she looked at it. She said, I think the buyer for this department would really like it. I'm going to give him your information and someone will contact you in a couple of days. Well, nobody contacted me in a couple of days. So I became persistent and... Mm -hmm. I stayed persistent until I got someone to say, well, can you send me some more information? So I sent it 
in a letter next day delivery so I could track delivery and know when it was delivered. And about two hours after I tracked it and knew it was delivered, I got a phone call ordering a sample order of 900 pieces. And they said, does this steak work for you? We'll give you 20 minutes at midnight. And you know, QVC has hosts and hostesses, mm -hmm. but as you know, there's a representative from the company if you want to. So I said, okay, the representative will be me. And then you had to go to QVC at first. I thought midnight is great. People who have reflux don't sleep well. Mm -hmm. I said, midnight's good time. Um, you had to go to QVC. You had to take some classes online. You had to learn their rules, etc. So we get to QVC. We had 20 minutes. We sold out in seven minutes. <laughs> I was beyond excited. Mm -hmm. So the next morning I'm at the airport waiting for my flight coming home. It was like eight o'clock in the morning. Get a phone call from the buyer with another order. This time, you know, a non-sample, a bigger order, wanting to know how soon they could get delivery. I said, well, I have to call my phone fabricator. But um, so I called and I called them back and we sold out every order. We had about four or five orders after that. Every order we sold out in less time than they gave us. And <clears throat> we got lots of good feedback, but then, you know, they had said, we're working on the next order and the next order didn't come. So I called and I was told that there was a new buyer who wanted to source his own products, not use products the previous buyer had sourced. So that was the end of QVC. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, you know, I mean, I knew it had to end, but it was a great experience, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. being on there. And it, you know, opened up some doors because that was when QVC and HSN were way, way bigger than online was. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, and I mean, it was a great experience. So, you know, in that business, you know, things change. They're cyclical. Mm -hmm. You know, you're hot, you're not, you're good, you know. But QVC yeah. was a great experience. Well, I just, I love that you say you didn't get a call, so you got persistent, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, the worst that happens when you're persistent, if you do it in an appropriate manner, is that you're no better off than you were before. But maybe you will be. If you don't ask, you're not going to get anything. Right, right, right. So I asked. <laughs> wow. And then your seven minute success. Like that's, I, I love this story. I think it's fantastic. Um, and if that doesn't give everyone out there who's trying to find a way, who's trying to find a win, just to say persistence pays off. Oh, it does. I mean, you know, nothing, maybe for some people, some success in whatever field you're in happens overnight, but I imagine that's really rare. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. You just have to keep on keeping on. Um, right. You know, so let, let's talk more about success. So successful in so many ways. Uh, you've made a number of investments in your life. I would love for you, Adele, to say what your best investment that you have made has been. Oh, easy. Believing in myself. Um, just believing that I had a problem, 
I could solve it. I am always, um, my glass is always half full, basically. You know, when I had cancer, it's, oh, they're going to come up with a new chemotherapy. Somebody's going to come up with something. It's going to work. Um, with Medsland, I figured, especially after I got the first order in less than an hour, oh my gosh, you know, people are going to flock to it, which of course is not what happens. But um, I just, I had a problem. I knew I could solve it for myself or I had solved it for myself. I was helping other people solve it because everybody wants a healthy, more comfortable night's sleep. So I could mm -hmm. solve the problem. So I guess by investing, you know, in myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's what did it for me. It's a certainly a very wonderful investment that way. Um, you know, so here's the thing that life seems to be this series of losses and wins, right? We we're talking about things being cyclical. You win some, you lose some, these kinds of things. And of the many wins that you've had in your life, Adele, what is your biggest? What would you say your biggest win in your life has been? Oh, the biggest one was beating cancer and staying alive. Um, <clears throat> because if I hadn't done that one, then nothing else matters. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> You know, I had excellent medical care. My family was extremely beyond helpful. I mean, for a while, the only thing I could digest was for some reason, freshly squeezed orange juice. So my husband used to bring it to me every morning, like 5 a.m. You know, that was the only thing that I kept down. Our daughter said, ah, one of my favorite foods is um, vitamin M is in M&Ms because <laughs> And so my daughter said, Mom, when you didn't want chocolate, I was really worried. But once you started asking for M&Ms again, I knew you were fine. Um, <laughs> you know, having a long-term successful marriage, three um, healthy, happy children. I used to tell my kids the only thing I wanted for them was good health that they were happy with whatever they decided to do in their lives as a career and they enjoyed it. And if they wished, had someone to share it with. And then, you know, I was good. Um, we have three grandchildren, all girls, three granddaughters. I mean, as children, we have two sons and a daughter, but three grandgirls. And I told you, I think grandchildren basically only come in perfect because when they aren't, you can give them back to their parents. and. But I mean, they're fun. You know, it's like growing your own friends. Right. So, you know, those were all, you know, and now our daughter works with my husband and me in Medsland and helps us, which is great. And um, so I guess, but the biggest win has to be, you know, beating cancer and staying alive. And I'm sure that was, I mean, I know that was not just on me. That was good medical help and support. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is beyond important <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah I mean it's like they say if you don't have your health I mean what do you have right you don't so. you know that's why I think and you know my kids use the med slant when they have colds or congested mm -hmm. our daughter sleeps on it regularly just you know for the fun of it because she thinks it's comfortable mm -hmm. I still sleep on one and people say to me but you don't have reflux anymore. I said, yes, but I'm not going to not sleep elevated and see if I get reflux again because right. it's comfortable. 
and mm -hmm. you know you just get used to it but you know everybody does what works for them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well but, i can't thank you enough for just these, these stories not only what you share but how you share it um what an incredible life um again just so much success as as a mom as an entrepreneur um as a strong woman who despite all the the difficulties has come out with a smile uh a beautiful smile and oh, thank you just well, thank you, you so know, much. the goal as you get older you will understand that the goal is to be able to take care of yourself for as long as you have so i mean i go to the gym i work out with people way younger than i am so of course the weights I lift are not as heavy. I'm not as fast as they are, but what difference does it make? I mean, one of the persons in this class I take twice a week just graduated from nursing school. So I'm 60 years older than she is. So, <laughs> you know, the other day she said, no, you know, I'm gonna do this with you. We're doing it the same. I said, well, it's not the same. The weights are a little, but it doesn't matter. You know, your only competition is yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'll keep doing this. I enjoy doing it. So I'll just keep doing it as long as I can. Well, keep rocking it like you do. And Thank you. Um, again, that smile of yours just makes your stories all the more um, powerful and meaningful. And I just can't thank you enough for taking the time to share yourself and your stories with us and um, for making all of us just become a bit more aware now. Thank you so much, Adele. Oh, thank you, Ellie. And I'm so glad our mutual friend introduced us because it's great just talking to you <laughs> and knowing you. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks. Tune into our podcast, subscribe to our magazine, find us and join us online. Visit IamAwareNow.com. We will no longer wait for permission to change the world. Together, we are Aware Now.